the Lord <clears throat> during worship, specifically during the second song, overwhelmed me. Really overwhelmed me. Just some of the things that he was showing me, some of the things he was saying. But one thing that he said to me was the most overwhelming. And it was that he said, it is time for me to open the doors of my ignition. I'll let you figure out what that means. I knew immediately in my heart what it meant. In two weeks, there's a team of us that are going to Nigeria. Two weeks from today, in fact, we leave uh, that evening, Sunday evening. This is not a normal trip, although in many ways it may look like, feel like, everything else a normal trip, but it is not a normal trip. In fact, originally it was just Josh and I going on this trip, and the Lord changed that, I want to say about a week ago for me, right after I had wondered if it was even supposed to be just me. Because I kind of looked at this trip as an interim trip, and the January trip coming up is going to be the big trip. (laughs) Right? And it's for a different reason. I, I won't get into that, but... Um, I, I've always kind of geared in my mind that January was going to be this big trip. And oftentimes it takes the Lord using a, a good-sized club to get me to <laughs> begin to see things as he sees things. Sometimes he'll wait. You ever have have that happen to you? Sometimes he'll wait. You keep thinking a certain thing, and then all of a sudden everything's laid out to how he wanted it, and he said, okay, by the way, I just need you to start thinking differently now. And all of a sudden, oh, wow, you were doing this the whole time. When your heart is pressed into him, he'll take you through those moments. He will. Because those are surprise moments that lift your heart. Those are, in many cases, the ingredients of the suddenlies that we're going to see. By the way, you know, you know the truth of a suddenly? The truth of a suddenly is that it's been worked up over years. In many cases, over decades some cases over centuries. Right? The suddenness of the day of the Lord that we've talked about so many times, that will come suddenly. The Bible says like thief in the night. But yet the workings of that, the building up to that, has hardly been sudden. In fact, so many of us sit around like, Lord, I need your suddenlies to be a little faster. Because we're so eager. We're just eager for him. And I'm not saying we're eager for the day of the Lord. We're not eager for judgment. But we are eager for his justice. 
We are eager for his name to be lifted up by those who don't know to lift up his name. I don't know about you, but so many prophets, including what the Lord has told us in Ignition, have talked about this billion soul harvest. Right? And we talked about it a little bit last week. And it's really the harvest that the Word of God talks about. And, man, I I don't know about you, but that's a suddenly I'm really eager for. I'm really eager for the Lord and His power to fall in such a way that it literally explodes on the earth. All these things that He's told us, that He has told us are coming as suddenlies. But it's in the trenches of living with Him, of giving Him your yes every single day that those suddenlies are built. That's what He's been doing in Nigeria. This trip, the Lord then did confirm to me, and then I said, well, you need to tell each of, each of them. He confirmed to me seven people total that will be going on this trip, including myself. And I said, well, you need to tell them, and, and then it can kind of all come out, and he did. He told every one of them. And once he did, then we talked about it as a team. And those seven people are going to be involved in something in Nigeria that is going to be different. We're entering a new phase in Nigeria. And it's a phase that we've been excited for, a phase that, that we've been eager for. And, and when I label this phase, it, it's really a poor label. Because the, the phase would be outreach. The label I would put on it is outreach. But in reality, what we have been doing from the day I set my foot there the first time is outreach. But this is at a different level. What the Lord has been doing for the last couple of years is building infrastructure there in Nigeria. Because when things do take off when things do explode. The infrastructure has to be there. Otherwise, what has been built will be sacrificed. And it can't be. Because it's a building block in which things are to be built upon. And we're to the point where it can be built upon now. And that was the enlightening that... The Lord gave me about this trip that I was expecting actually for January. I knew I knew it was coming. Because of the explosion, the literal explosion in Nigeria of what's going on there, the literal explosion of all our prayer partners all over this country. Do you know we have over 7,000 prayer partners all over this country? I talked to many of them, well, not near 7,000, but in the ones that I talk to, what blows me away is they don't know us at all. And yet, they are so invested and engaged and in prayer. Why? And to a T, I'll tell you this, everyone I ask them, why do you pray for us? Not why do you give. I mean, it's not hard to get people to give to a cause. That's not what this is. 
That's not what God's done. God is building a prayer team. So I ask, why do you pray for us? Why do you take your time out every day and lay us before the Lord? And the answer is simple. Not because they know us. Not because, oh man, yeah, I've met your people and oh, they're all just so so awesome and, and they just deserve the prayer. No, they've not met any of us. They've not met me. They say, to a T, to everyone that I've asked this, they said, because God told me to. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that is so cool. That's so cool because that means that God's the one building this thing, not me. Not you guys. He's the one building it. Because he's out there telling people, get involved. Get involved. I need you to be a part of this prayer team because of what I'm about to do in Nigeria. Do you know the Lord told me the very first time I set foot on Nigerian soil. And that next Sunday when I preached, I was the only one there. Didn't know a soul. I only knew Andrew, who... We, in, we had built this relationship over the phone for about a year and a half. I didn't even know him. I mean, I had met him for about 15 minutes in the Houston airport a year and a half earlier. But when the Lord said to go, I went. And the first time I set foot on soil, the Lord spoke to me about that country And so when I preached that next Sunday, and many of you know this story, I shared what the Lord told me. I said, the Lord said that the world would be reached through Africa. Africa would be reached through Nigeria. Nigeria would be reached through Benway. And when I said this, it didn't really mean anything to me. I didn't know these places. This was the first time I'd been there. But sometime later that afternoon, there were elders of the ministry that Andrew was involved with, or is involved with, that asked to meet with me and came and talked to me. And they said, do you know that some 30 years ago, we had another white man come through here, which I thought was interesting. Maybe they didn't have many white people come through there. He said, you know, he said the same exact thing. Literally, word for word, he said the same exact thing. And one of those elders said to me, I heard it with my own ears. In fact, I want to say maybe a year later, I was talking with the governor of the state, who is a good friend. And he told me the same thing. He said, I heard that 30 years ago or however many years ago with my own ears. And it was word for word what I had spoken. Because it had nothing to do with me. It was what God had spoken. God has told us a long time that things begin in Nigeria. At the time, I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, in in my myopic thinking, it's, it's like I think, well... Okay, well, maybe that's where the Holy Spirit falls. Or or maybe that's where our voice starts. Or maybe this, or maybe that, or whatever. Or maybe it's all of it. I don't even know. It doesn't even matter. 
Maybe it's simply to fulfill a prophecy that was given 30-some years ago. I have no idea. The only thing it has to do with me is my obedience in speaking what the Lord said. But that was a few years ago, and what God has done since then was begin to build infrastructure in Nigeria, this, this place that we have, this ministry. It's so weird here in the States. I mean, we're a house church. And people don't understand why we have a huge part of our ministry. I mean, real, in reality of ministry, is the larger part of our ministry by far is 7,000 miles away. Doesn't make sense. I got to tell you, it doesn't make sense to me either. It's just what the Lord said to do. <laughs> Mine is not to question why. Mine is but to do or die. Right? You you know the saying. When the Lord says do something, I don't need a bullet list of why do you want me to do this before I decide to do it. We simply do it. When we know it's Him, when we know it's His voice, when His voice has been confirmed, man, you can run with that. You can run with it with every ounce of energy that you have. Man, what a freeing thing. I remember when the Lord told us, do not be closed for COVID. Because we, we closed up at first. I, I, I think Brenda looked it up one time, and I think it was like, Six or seven weeks. Because the Lord told us just take the direction of what Donald Trump says. And at the time he did. And then it was maybe maybe six weeks later or whatever it was, the Lord said, no, no more. You're not to be closed anymore. And yet, this was when it was starting to get heavy for being closed for COVID. Do you know... All we had to hear was what the Lord said and what he wanted us to do. And we ran with it. It didn't matter the opposition. It didn't matter what we came up against. And that is one of the most freeing feelings in the world. And I'm sure in your lives you have experienced that where you are in full obedience to the Lord and you're running, even if you're hitting these obstacles, you're running in that freedom and in that joy. And it's kind of like the obstacles just bounce. Just bounce. Well, when the Lord had us do what we're doing in Nigeria, it was at the beginning about building infrastructure. We started that process. Even amongst all the Difficulties of what people said, of even things that happened internally. But the Lord said to do it, so we did it. Since May, it is exploded. Infrastructure has been built in ways that I couldn't even imagine. I mean, you know me, I'm a I'm construction background, right? I built built homes. And so in my mind, everything's about construction. We're looking at equipment there that makes me salivate. I wish I could get it here. We're looking at about $200,000 U.S. of equipment that here in the States would cost 
almost two million. And it's all for building the infrastructure of this ranch and micro ranch. All this has happened in the last few months. It's accelerated in the last few months. There are many reasons why. Why is not the point. The point is the Lord has done it. He's accelerated it. He has pushed it because infrastructure had to be done or established. I said it, Technically, it's never done. The construction never ends. But it had to be at a point where it was established to move forward with the outreach. That's what's happening in November. We leave November 14th. There are two events that are going to be happening. And the reason I am even telling you guys about this is because it is not just about the team in, in Nigeria and the seven people that are going on this. If you don't think it has to do with you that are sitting here, then you're missing the point completely. What God is going to do in November on this trip in many ways depends upon this team here. Depends upon what God is building in unity that we go before the Lord in. Why? Because what is going to be pierced is the enemy's front line. In two events specifically. One is a three-day crusade, technically four days, but for, for us a three-day crusade in a small village out in the bush. Similar to what we had done years ago in a village called Kaduku. And I, I won't get into stories about that, but it's unlike anything that you've ever seen here in the States by far. This crusade is us also partnering with a church that the Lord has partnered us with there in McCurdy. This crusade is simply to teach relationship with Jesus Christ. To teach that every single one of them doesn't matter if they have what we have as Americans, doesn't matter if they have more or less, doesn't matter at all what they have. What they are capable of having, each one of them, is relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't mean simply a ticket to heaven. You guys here all know that. We talk about it literally every week. It's not about your go ticket to heaven. Praise God that that had nothing to do with us. Only our acceptance. Praise God that it's not up to us to keep that. <laughs> that would be really stressful. Because the Holy Spirit sealed it. Once it was done, once it was accepted, it was stamped by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Done. Held until you receive it. Done. Finished. It's not what we're talking about. Because honestly, justification of sin is easy. It's easy to go into parts of another country and preach the Lord Jesus Christ 
and people to get saved. It's easy. In fact, Reinhard Bonnke, over the last ten years before he retired, he saw something like 11 or 12 or 13 million people come to know the Lord. Mostly Muslim. Think about that. 13 million people coming to know the Lord in a 10-year period. I don't know about you. First thing that pops into my mind is, wow, why didn't revival break out in Nigeria? If 13 million people gave their lives to the Lord and became passionate for him, why in the world? Didn't revival break out all throughout Nigeria? Why is Nigeria known as one of the most corrupt nations in the world? And I know Nigerians are listening to me. I don't say that of my own opinion. I simply repeat what they tell me. So why? It's because the ingredients of justification of sin, of us receiving that golden ticket to heaven, has nothing, understand what I'm saying, has nothing to do with your intimacy and relationship with the Lord, outside of the fact that it gives you the opportunity to have that. If you are not saved, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't even have the opportunity to build relationship with Him. Justification of sin is what gives you that opportunity. Relationship is what changes your life. Relationship, building that intimacy with Him is what Changes everything. Absolutely everything. And the weird thing is, if you kind of start to get tired of hearing that, then you might want to check it in your own life. Because it should only make you hungrier. I don't even know if that's a word. Hungrier? More hungry? It should just make you more hungry. More hungry for him. Because that's what relationship does. When you have a taste of who he is, you become more hungry for who he is. That's just the truth of it. So we are doing this outreach, this three-day outreach. And it begins a series. Over the dry season, we will be going with this church, partnering with them which I told you about the church, I think, a couple of weeks ago. I won't take the time for that, except I will say that, that if you could take our mind and their mind and mix them up, you would not have any loss. They're on the same page. God literally has brought them through the same things that he has brought us through. He has taught them the same things that he has taught us. When Michael sat down, Michael and Allie sat down with, with the pastor, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, and the pastor starts telling stories of what has happened to him. Stories of being taken to the court of the Lord. 
Okay, that wasn't from Michael telling him about it. Oh, yeah, I, I've had that happen too. No, he brought it up. In fact, I think he might have been a little nervous to bring it up. Which is funny to me because God has prepared those pieces that are supposed to fit together. Do you understand what I'm saying? In that puzzle and that mosaic that he's doing? So in this partnership, we have nine of these outreaches that we're going to do over the dry season. That's one of the events. The other event, and and I can't even put more meat on that bone because I don't know anymore. The Lord has not told us anymore. In fact, the Lord said, I will not even tell you about it until you get here to Nigeria. Here's who I need to come. And then when you get here, I'm going to share with you what I'm going to have you do. He's done that before. He's done that before with teams there, and it, I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am. You would think it'd be just the opposite, because we kind of need to know how things lay out. He's already proven himself in that. I can't wait to get there, because he's going to show us. He's going to show us fresh every moment, perhaps even fresh every moment. Did I say moment twice? I meant every morning, and then perhaps every moment. Because he is fresh in what he does. The other piece, I have a little more vision for. Although that doesn't mean that God doesn't change that. Because he does, but I believe it's the vision he's given me. The other piece is a little broader, or more broad. It is reaching out to all of Benway, going over the course of the next year to all the different local governments. And I can't remember how many there are. I want to say there's 26 of them or something like that, 25 in Benway, going to the local governments to talk to them about relationship with Jesus Christ, literally to talk to them about what it looks like for the kingdom of God to be manifest there in Benway. That's huge, guys. That's huge. Because that will be our main focus, our main thrust. And the only way we can do that is the fact that God has already brought the infrastructure to the point to where it can keep moving. He's already given the vision for it. And he's been moving it. Now, the key... And one of the toughest things for this trip is that he wants you involved. Not because he just needs to give you something to do. But because those who are not going on this trip hold a very critical role in the unity of what we will be doing. It's kind of like, think of it this way. If we are all different parts of a team. You know, how the Bible shows different parts of the body. You have the hand, you have the foot, you have the face, whatever, you have the mouth. If we're all different parts of the body, but yet they're to work together to function properly, that's what this trip is. He wants to show this church that because there has been a separation in your mind. There has been a separation that 
Nigeria is kind of something that we do and, and, you know, we tout it because God's really doing some incredible things there and, and Greg seems to, you know, think it's important and, and so, so it's good. You know, it's something that we could say, yeah, we really do something as a church. But though, that is not at all what the Lord intends. The Lord intends for everybody, whether you've been there or not, whether you are going on this trip or not, he needs you to understand you have a responsibility in this. You have a responsibility not only in this trip, but in this work, in what's going on over there. I told you earlier, he said, he told us early on, everything begins in Nigeria. And then I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that the Lord had told me why he kept <coughs> kept us small as this house church for so long. And really, honestly, didn't make sense. Didn't make sense to me. He, he wants us to have a voice. He wants us to be teaching relationship. He wants us to be, be combined and coupled with people that are on fire for him. He wants all that. So why? Why isn't it happening? Why do you keep our doors closed for so long? And a couple of weeks ago, he told me the answer to that. Because if I had opened your doors earlier you would not have focused in Nigeria as a church, as a ministry, as a body, like I needed you to. Because it needs to start there. And perhaps that's why it needed to start there. Because I, I even asked him, why, why Nigeria? Because I thought, well, may, maybe there's some some, you know, ancient mystical reason that happened, you know, 2,000 years ago on some soil and blah, 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 blah. That would have been a really cool answer, by the way. That wasn't his answer. I said, why Nigeria, Lord? And it really surprised me when he said, because that's where you picked. I don't recall picking it, except I fell in love with it. And that was just the truth. He needed it to happen somewhere else. Why? Because right here, we would try and control. If it exploded here, we would have, I would have, and you guys would have too, but I'll take the blame. I would have tried to control it. Based on what I knew. I've been part of huge churches. I've known the inner workings of huge churches. So, you know, I know how to market. I know how to do these things. So, so as we're exploding, I know the infrastructure that needs to be put in place. And see, that would have been too much of a temptation to do things as we've done them before because we knew that they would maintain, we knew that they would work. <laughs> Well, if God is showing us one thing, he is showing us what has worked has in part been the problem. Because literally, it's us taking control from him. That's why the first thing he told me 
when we were to be a church, when he called us to be a church, the first thing he told me in terms of a mandate is don't ask for money. Don't take offerings. Well, Lord, wait a second. I've been in church leadership for 25 years and blah, 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 blah. I didn't really say that to him, but that's what I was thinking. And the truth is, that's what churches do. That is the door Satan uses to get into everything else. Because a church feels they need, in the, in the concept of stewardship, they need to control the money. Well, we're just being good stewards. Problem is, if it's not something God gave you in the first place, you're not stewarding anything. You're stealing. That's theft. If you are by faith letting God do His part, letting God, who is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills, if He's the one providing, then what is provided, you are to steward. You're not to manipulate that on your own. Man, he is he has taken us through so many, so many of those learning times, learning that lesson. Even there in Nigeria, because we couldn't just learn it here, but the people that were involved there had to learn it there. Not just the Americans. But those who work with us there, Andrew, Andrew had to see that for himself. Tefa and Ajuma, who work with us there on compound, they had to see that for themselves. That America is not the provider. That can be destroyed in a second. That hand can be taken away in a second. And by the way, it is being taken away. We cannot take from God his position and what he wants to do, what he wants to control. We can't. And he is blessed. Oh my goodness, he is blessed. I mean, how, how a church, a little house church, how God has done what he has done in this little house church, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. And it's not because of the people who've been over to Nigeria. Certainly not just them. It's because the family that have taken on the responsibility of engaging with that, of praying for that, of being unified for that. So it brings me back to the point that there will be strategy over the next two weeks and then the ten days that we're gone. For this team that will be here to be engaged at every moment. We need you. We need you to be. Because what God is going to do in these two events, and that, that second event, by the way, is a launch event for what we're going to be doing over the next year. We're expecting over 2,000 people to be at that event. 
coming into McCurdy from all over the state. And even the preparation of that has to come from God. Even the cost of that has to come from God. It's going to cost over 25000 U.S. for that event. We've never had an event like that. We've never had anything like that that cost even near anything like that. It wouldn't have even, in, even been in my brain except that the Lord said, do this. And he opened it up. But if we're not in prayer, then we're missing critical pieces of the puzzle. So I want to encourage you, when we're going, as we lead up the next two weeks, be involved with it. Be involved with this strategy that's going to come out, this prayer strategy. Because your peace is necessary The unity of this entire group, this entire team, is necessary. And even the people that are going, they're going in full faith. Not any one of them is going there just for a separate reason, including my youngest daughter. Because she will be going on this trip. And not for the purpose of just kind of hanging out with mom and dad. Not for the purpose of feeding some chickens. (laughs) She's going because the Lord wants her to be part of these crusade revivals. The awesome thing is, and, and I'll say this because she's downstairs. When the Lord first... Oh, well, she can shut her ears then. That's what happens when she sits on the floor. It doesn't matter. Before I even told her that she was going for sure and that the Lord wanted her involved with this, you know, before I I mentioned to her what the Lord had said, she she and I walk every morning together and and she said, you know, Dad, I had a vision. And I can't remember if if it was a vision or a dream, but she said, I think it was a vision. She said, I had this vision. She said, I was, I was in front of just tons of kids, and I was just teaching them the Bible. And, it, I mean, that was really foreign to her. That was really kind of scary for her. And I said, interesting. I said, what those kids look like? She said, well, they were Nigerians. And that afforded me the opportunity right then to tell her that that, that wasn't just some pie in the sky, hopeful one day, how about that God wants to use you right away? He wants to, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter if you're a child, it doesn't matter if you think that you're, you're too old to do anything. You know, one of the, back, back at the very beginning, there was a series of these movies that we watched called the Holy, we call them the Holy Ghost movies. The first one that we saw was called the Holy Ghost. But, but then I can't remember which this one was, but it was a, a church, and I can't even remember where it was. I, I, it might have been Korea somewhere. Or, it, it wasn't Korea. But, but anyways, it was, it was a, a big church led by a guy who looked like he was maybe in his 30s. Passionate, 
for the Lord. And he's kind of walking us through this ministry that they have, and he takes us into this, what we would call a Sunday school area, whatever. And he said, we have kids that teach other kids because we don't, I mean, literally everybody that learns teaches. And, and they're showing this video of this young man with the Bible open, and he had to be maybe 10 or 11 years old, something like that. And he's got all these kids around him that are maybe a little bit younger than him. And he's teaching them the Word of God, and he's crying. And then there's another clip where they're worshiping, and they're engaged in their praising. These are people that don't have the Bible and all of that readily available to them like we do. In fact, they have the persecution that we're about to have in this country. You ready for that? There was passion on their faces. I mean, these little kids, eight and nine years old, just bawling, crying. Not because they needed this or needed that. They were crying because they were being overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And how good God is. Age does not matter to God. If it did, he wouldn't have called Moses when he was 80 years old. I know you're just 80, but literally you're going to go against the most powerful man in the world. And draw a million people that are his slaves out from his control. You know... If age had anything to do with it, he would have called someone like David when he was in his prime, but he didn't. Just like beginning the nation of Israel, you would think he would have called a couple that were ready to have kids and and grow them up in strength. No, he calls this 100-year-old guy, 9-year-old woman, Hey, guess what? You're going to be a mom and dad. Age has nothing to do with it. Placement in life has nothing to do with it. If you are telling yourself, I cannot do this because blank, whatever the blank is, is holding you back from your intimacy with the Lord because you cannot go further in relationship with Him if you think that there are things holding you back. Because guess what? Nothing can hold you back. Zero. Nothing except you. Nothing can hold you back. Because the intimacy that God put together that we can have with Him isn't dependent on anyone else. It's solely about you. It's solely about your choices and what you want to do. That's all it is. It doesn't matter your age. You could be a young child and be on fire for him. I remember when I was five years old, the only thing I wanted to do was be a preacher. Now I wanted to be a trucking preacher, but, you know, still a preacher. And I remember my dad built me this little pulpit thing, and I used to preach to my grandmother and my dog. 
recall their lives changing much, so I probably wasn't that good. But that's what I wanted. Five years old. Doesn't matter age. Doesn't matter where you're at in life. Doesn't matter if you have a job. Doesn't matter if you have a great job. Doesn't matter if your job is something that you feel can have a great impact. Because if you haven't given that to God, it means nothing to Him. Do you understand that? Well, this is how I take care of my family. This is how I, you know, I've got, I've got a voice at my job, and, and I could tell them about Christ. And awesome. That's great. Do you? Do you use it because He's the one who gave it to you? And that's the way you do it? Or are you, just like I said about churches before, trying to control? Trying to control what He wants to do in your life. Because I'll tell you what, we're at a different time in history. Because before, you could choose to control and get away with it. I mean, in reality, you don't get away with it because when you're before God, everything will be laid out and you will see. But it's different now on this earth because of what God is doing on this earth. Don't be confused. What is swirling around us, all this ridiculous evil and everything else that is going on, this is not Satan's control. I've said it before. This is not Satan's controlling this entire thing. And He's just gaining more and more power here. It's actually quite the opposite of that. It is God stripping him of his power. And one of the powers that he has stripped him of, we've talked about it before, is deception. See, Satan literally is not allowed to deceive on a grand scale like he has in the past. Does it boggle your mind? I don't know, but older people in here, young people may not know the difference, but older people in here, like, like ones that have grown up seeing things on TV, and now all of a sudden you're seeing these, these shows and you're seeing these, these things on TV that, wow, that's really blatant. You know, I, I mean, I mean, you know, some shows, I can't even think of them, but, you know, as blatant as I serve Satan. You know, some sitcom. Whatever. Is a sitcom a, a funny thing? I guess that wouldn't be too funny, would it? But the reality is, he is not overly deceptive anymore. He can't be, because he's been stripped of that capability. That's why it's starting to be seen. But look at Christians. Look at the ones who were under deception anyway. Doesn't even matter. They don't even see it. Oh, it's just kind of the way the times are going. Yeah, it's always been that way. And, you know, oh my goodness. Open your eyes. Open your eyes and see the truth. The truth is God is doing this. God is doing this. I don't mean that God is doing the evil. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. God is exposing the evil. 
Because God is in control of this. Not Satan. Trust me. Satan right now is scared. I'm not going to tell you how I know that, but I know it. I know it for a fact. He is afraid. He is sent running. I don't think he has a tail, but if he had a tail, it would be between his legs. Running. Because God is now controlling the agenda. Do you understand that? Whereas before, he's been waiting for his church to stop taking control herself and give control to him. He would have done this before now. But when the church would not do it, and yet it is time for it to be done, what do you think God's going to do? He's going to fulfill his promises. He's going to fulfill what he said he would do. And that's exactly what he's doing right now. It's a confusing time, but you know what? We don't have to be confused. Not even a little bit. In fact, we can have a clarity in this time that is mind-boggling. But there's something that has to get out of the way first for you to have that clarity. And that is you. You've got to get out of your own way. You've got to recognize that the control that you are trying to have in your life is what is taking your life in a wrong direction. But see, that's a tough choice. Because following God is not an easy choice. If it was an easy choice, it would be called the broad way. <laughs> right? But the Bible says to find him is through the narrow way. By the way, let me, let me clear up an easily misunderstood concept. That is not talking about your justification of sin. Right? It's not hard. It is not hard. It is not difficult at all to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. To recognize Him as Messiah. To invite Him into your heart and be saved. Be destined for heaven. That is not hard at all. That's what He was talking about when He was talking about the broad path. Both ways are a path to God, to heaven, if you will. There is a broad path where you're still on the destination path, but then you control your own life. The narrow path is the pathway where you give everything to the Lord, and He leads it. He said, that's hard. That's hard. There's a cost to that that most people, most Christians, are not willing to make. The cost is too heavy. Because ultimately the cost is our control. The cost hurts. 
Because people that are close to us maybe aren't on the same path. And it hurts when there's that separation. It hurts when you're ridiculed for something that you believe that has been confirmed to you by God and his voice. Even the fact that he will speak and you can actually hear his voice. Do you know most Christians, most people who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart don't even believe that's possible? He only speaks through his word. He doesn't speak to you personally. Yes, you have a conscience, but that's about sin. You know, you start sinning, he'll, he'll speak to you. The reason I know this is that used to be me. That was me my whole life. And it wasn't until I did finally understand what the Word of God said about Him speaking that I opened myself up to what yes really meant. When I gave Him my yes every day. And thank thank you, Lord. At that time, I had no concept of what that would cost me as a whole. Because if I, perhaps, now I would like to think that I would have chosen anyways, but perhaps I would have then said, oh, well, all those things, that can't be God, so maybe that's a wrong voice. Right? Losing my friends. Losing family. Being hated by so many people. God's not about hate. And he's like, ding, 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 ding. You know, let me take, to, take you to literally every single story in the Word of God. And you tell me where they're not hated. See, God will always prove himself out. But there was a cost, and there is a cost to it. You either give him your yes or don't. Because he can't use your maybe anymore. And we're coming to a point where that maybe will be taken away altogether. When I was talking to him this morning, and I'm, I'm just going to end it with this. He took me to Luke chapter 9. I want you to pull up Luke chapter 9. And I was going through there, but he highlighted. Now I'll, I'll read a few verses. I'll start at verse 57. Because it was interesting, this was highlighted, this first, first part was highlighted a couple of weeks ago at the gifts meeting. But, uh, but when the Lord took me there this morning, it was really more about the, the last two verses. But we'll start at 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, he's telling them, you sure? It's a great cost to walk with me. Verse 59, to another he said, follow me. But the person said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. By the way, let me add some flavor to that, what that really means in Jewish history. What it meant was my ministry 
can't leave until my parents are gone. It didn't mean that they had died and the Lord wasn't giving him, you know, three days to go bury his, his dad or whatever. It wasn't about that. It was literally that they were saying, oh, I, I can't until I'm released from my family obligations because my parents are still alive. And he, he's basically saying, let them take care of them. Be obedient in what I'm calling you to do. And then this statement is what sat on me so, heav- so heavy down, down in the last two verses. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And here's the statement. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, it's real easy to brush right over that. But understand what it means. Let me give you an example. It's, it's kind of like when, you're, when you have a focus and you have a goal. If you don't keep that goal in front of you, if you don't keep that focal point in front of you, you could veer, right? Now, any, any of you who know me real well, you know I'm just kind of anal when it comes to mowing my lawn. Drives me nuts when I finally, we used to have somebody do it and I just stopped it. Because it, it, it was difficult for me every week. <laughs> I thought, okay, I will do this myself and I will enjoy it. And I do. It's, it's literally one of my favorite times. Of the, I hate it when we get around to this time of year when I'm coming down to the last time. I love to mow my lawn. And when I say I'm anal about it, it's when it's done. You know how you have these designs from the tread marks on your, on your mower. Okay, it drives me nuts if somebody just goes like this all however they want just to, get, just to get it cut. It just looks silly. So I have it all laid out how I go, and I do a border, and then I come in and I do these lines in two different graphs and blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> And, and I, re- I really, really enjoy it. But in doing those lines, it's funny, if I don't keep a focal point from one end to another on that first try, then my line will be like this. Right? And, and it's not like I can look down at what's in front of me. Just look down and drive and you'll find you're like this. Right? And it's literally, I'm, I'm using mowing a lawn, but it's literally anything. Anything that you do, you know, try hiking in the wilderness where there are not a lot of points. If you don't focus on one point in the direction you want to go and keep your focus on that point, you're going to be in trouble. That's why the sailors would use stars to guide them, because the star didn't move, (laughs) right? And luckily the earth moved slow enough to where they could keep That guideline. So if you don't have that focal point in front of you, which has to be Jesus Christ. If you don't have that focal point, you're going to go like this. Oh, wait, I'm going the wrong way. Okay, correction. And then back over here. Oh, wrong way. Correction. Like this. And this is what your life looks like. And basically what that is, is you're focused on him until things get okay. Okay, now that they're okay, I I got this, God. I know what you want me to do. Let me just do it. And then we start to do this. Because he's not our focal point anymore. 
If you want to really accomplish something in your life for God, if you want to really have the intimacy with Him, the closeness with Him, if you want Him to maximize what you are to steward on this earth, you've got to keep your focus on Him. And by the way, you can't just focus there, sit in a chair and say, yeah, I see you. It's about movement. It's about moving toward Him, focusing on Him, and moving toward Him. And when you look to the left or look to the right, let Him teach you not to do that, to be distracted by the things around you. There is plenty to be distracted about in this world. And it's just going to get more. I mean, if you're a conservative at all, the distractions are everywhere. They're in your face. They're trying to be on your face. Trying to be in your arm. The distractions are everywhere to take you off of what God wants to do in your life. That's just the truth of it. We all face distractions. And the distractions are not what crush us. What crushes us is not recognizing that they're distractions. Anytime we give in to a distraction or anytime we are taken off point a little bit, God gives us the opportunity to come back and say, I am sorry, forgive me, teach me, show me. And he does. He does. He's a loving father that way. That's why he has waited for so long in what he's doing with this world even right now. Because his grace is abundant. He wants us all to choose him. But we have to remain that focus on him. So our pathway is what it needs to be. That is the narrow path. That's the narrow path. Just like what the verse says in verse 61, if you're plowing a field and you look back, what happens? When you look back, you start to go off. Right? If you don't keep focused on a point in front of you, you won't keep that in a straight line. It's the same with your life. Let's come on The verses um, that I've said so many times that I love, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, um, and they're, it's great in the Amplified, classic, but I've memorized them in the King James, and man, it's been replaying and replaying with, with everything spoken this morning, which is trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And it's simple, we know it, but it's so interesting how absent the practice of that truth is. And God just was reminding me of that so much that it applies to literally everything preached on. I am so, I'm so thankful for what I didn't want in the calling of Nigeria. And the reason I say I didn't want is because you guys know my testimony of being a young teenager and at a missions conference 
because of the testimony of the person that was the African, you know, Africa-based missionary, they came back and they would always try to show something exciting to the kids. And they showed spiders and they showed things that happened in the, the land, wherever it was. And I remember saying out loud um, on the staircase during a break, Lord, don't ever send me to Africa. And I uh, didn't really know what I was saying at the time, just that basically, oh, that's not for me. And I am so thankful that God will not relent until he has it all. And that he wasn't going to honor a selfish gesture or declaration, but instead was going to develop me into all that I could be. Now, I could have continued to say no as he came back around and continued to tug on my heart. Um, but I'll tell you, I just, I just owe everything in this journey of learning to trust God more to the Lord himself. And, you know, God knows how willful we are and how resistant we are. But, man, I'm so thankful. Um, the willingness that he brought me to, he brought me to, even though it was my choice, but the willingness he brought me to to go the first time, and then while I was there, captured my heart and gave me a love for something that I said would never be me. That's an important word. When you even think you know what it looks like to serve God, when you say, well, this is what I think serving God is, literally before even surrendering to the actual serving of God through a laid down life, you can get, become so deceived. I had no idea that, that anything of any foreign land would be in my world of possibilities. But then to take me to a place and then show me that he actually designed me to love it. And I'm just, I'm just moved by it because you think you know yourself. You don't. Amen. Let the Lord show you who you are. Ask God what you love. Ask God, what, what do you desire? You know, in Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight thyself in the Lord. Delight in Him first. And then He'll give you the desires of your heart. And I guarantee you it will be a desire you didn't even think you had. He will show you what you actually desire. And most of us walk around in boxes. I did for so long, and I am so humbled by how He ripped the, the cardboard off of my boxes with all of my resistance, but so beautifully so, to show me something I would never have otherwise been able to experience. And that is now a work that is amazing. And I cannot encourage you enough to understand that whether God ever takes your physical body there or not, your partnership with investment, engagement, in prayer, in learning the, the mission there is not only important, but it really is your responsibility if you're going to say that you're part of Ignition. Because the Lord is asking all of us to unify. And when we unify, it's going to be under the same vision that he gave. We didn't make this up. I, I really hope that you will ask whatever questions you have about it. And we're going to, there's videos and various things in the works to try to give you some more visual on this. But um, as far as what the work looks like there. But I also want to say this to you. And it's easy to feel like, okay, yes, I, I, I get it. And Lord, I, you know, help me to get the vision. And I'm just going to pray more. And I pray that you do. 
But, you know, we talked in ladies' class about yielding. And what does it look like to, in Romans 6, to use your bodies as an instrument of righteousness for the Lord Jesus? We talk about faith without works is dead. I want you to intentionally ask the Lord, would he have you go to Nigeria? Not move, maybe. Not an extended stay, perhaps. Although, include that. But literally say, Lord, would you have me go? Do you know sometimes... We say to the Lord, well, I'm willing if he, you know, if he, he tells me, if he makes me. But then, that's a, that's a cute little saying. Because then, we actually wait until somehow there's a bulldozer coming over our life where this megaphone voice, you've got to go, you know, and then fine, then we'll even fight with that. But when you say it just that way, it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to take any steps toward you. But I mean, if you come and you grab me and yank me there, I mean, yeah, I'll go. It's different When you say, Lord, I will step. I will step wherever. I will. I mean, I I know I couldn't pray that for many years. I couldn't actually pray, Lord, I will go if you want me to go. I mean, there was a big fight, and it it ended up kind of being a bulldozer in my particular case. And the Lord really had to show me through a series of things that I know I've shared so many times. But, But if you can't pray that prayer, Lord... Send me, if you, if you send me there, if you, if you nudge my, my heart, if you tap me gently. See, he's not going to grab your arm and strong arm you. But he may lay it on your heart. Are you willing? And I'll tell you what, nobody had a list of more excuses and reasons to not go fully justified than why. It was, I mean, all day long I could tell you why that was just not, you know, Greg, you just do you, and I'll do me, and we're going to work together, and I, I got your back. I'm going to be praying the whole time you're gone. Thank you, Jesus. I'm right here, and he's going. <laughs> the Lord was like, honey, faith without works is dead faith. You tell me all day long you trust me, but I'm about to put you in a position where you need to trust me so that you'll know that you actually do trust me, and that's exactly what he did. Let God stretch your comfort zone. He may, in fact, not take you there. But are you willing? Are you willing? Because that's really the question. And by the way, if you're willing to go there, then he might show you that 10 steps less extreme is what he's been knocking on your door to do or to give over to him that you've not even allowed yourself to think about. It may not be Nigeria, but man, Nigeria was used for me to show me 20 other things that I didn't even have surrendered, that I thought I did. I thought as long as I was doing and giving and, you know, using my, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z, I'm doing the Christianese thing. I thought I was just walking with the Lord. But that level of vulnerability, that level of out of my comfort zone began to open me up to a whole level of surrender that wasn't there. And I was so amazed by that. And God just began to transform me more than I ever imagined. So i got to tell you, I've never said this before, but... I actually do believe that it's very, very possible, maybe even probable, that God will ask everyone in this room, open room right now, to go there at least once. You may resist that on its face, but I'll just tell you those are not my thoughts. The Lord just put that in my spirit. So talk to him about it. Because... God wants to show us the exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever dare to ask or think according to the power that he has placed within us. 
You will never experience the exceeding abundantly above. If you're never stepping outside of the comfort zone that you built to see what that looks like, it'll never be something that's even a possibility where if you never put yourself where you need him because you're always in something you can control and that you desire, then you don't get to see God in a, in a new way there for you, showing you desires you didn't think you had. So I want to just encourage you. Um, oh, God is about to just um, more and more fully uh, flow through us as we make room for him. And some of the people that are serving the Lord the hardest through good works are going to find that they haven't even made room for the Spirit to flow through them because they're they're. Their life with the Lord is based on their own understanding. They've not acknowledged him and perhaps that he has a different way of doing things than what they've always known. And so their steps are not able to be guided. And their lawnmower lines are looking pretty rough. Right? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, God, that you stretch us. You correct us, Lord. Your discipline for us is because we are sons and daughters. If we weren't disciplined, if we weren't ever corrected or stretched, it would be because we're, we're not. We're not even legitimate sons and daughters. God, but you want to transform us into how you created us to be. So, God, I thank you. I thank you for the lying, the lyric in that song that you won't relent until you have it all. Oh, God, I know it's not our conscious heart desire to actually hold back and say, no, you can't have that. But, God, every time we don't just give you, all of us, we are saying, God, don't touch that. You can have everything else, but don't touch that. Don't touch my kids. You can have that. Don't touch my mother. Don't touch my my husband. Don't touch my job. Oh, God, may it all be laid down at the feet of Jesus. You paid, Jesus, you paid a price for us to be more than conquerors when we're walking in full surrender. I pray that none of us would ever trample on the cross by withholding and thinking that we can do it our way when Jesus paid it all. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your love for us, and that includes your discipline, your holiness, and your justice. God, do your will. Do your will. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful in giving to you, giving to you our tithes and offerings, giving to you our our time, our our just yielding to everything, yielding to our fleshly emotions and giving you our heart, giving you all that you deserve, God, because you are worthy of our worship. Not just during the song time on Sunday, God, but in our very breath, that's in our lungs, God, that was there, put there, because you have allowed it. So, God, we worship you and praise you. Help every one of us to engage in this amazing um, vision and work that you are presently breathing on by your powerful Holy Spirit right now. Oh, God, we say we want to be where you are. But, and, God, you called us to this. You, you are breathing on something so significant, Lord. Help us to be drawn into your presence. Give us vision. Beyond even those that have been there and have seen with our human eyes some of the vision, God, give us truly what you are doing. And help us to unify in engaging together that your will, thy will, would be done on earth 
as it has been planned in heaven. We praise you. To God be all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.